I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. As well as the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Was that amazing, right? Uh, I'm Amy Ratcliffe, managing editor of Nerdist.com, and like all of you, a very big Star Wars, especially Clone Wars fan. And I know when these anniversaries come up, often their reaction is not like, wow, this makes me feel so much younger. It's usually the opposite. And I've had, I mean, 10 years is a lot. I definitely feel older. But going back to Clone Wars like energizes me and makes me think of a time when I just fell head over heel in love with Star Wars, and I'm so excited to be celebrating with everyone today. So I think we should um, bring some special guests out. What do you guys think? Yeah. All right, please welcome executive producer Dave Filoni. <laughs> producer Athena Portillo. Voice of Ahsoka Tano, Ashley Eckstein. Voice of Anakin Skywalker, Matt Lancer. And last but certainly not least, composer Kevin Kiner. Oh. Have a seat. Dave, I think we need to start um, by you telling us a little about what we, what we just watched. So that trailer was the very, very first footage of Clone Wars that we ever shared with an audience. It was at Celebration 2007 in Los Angeles, and it was a very small theater, so I figured that most of you have probably never seen that footage. No. Yeah. I don't think that one's found its way to YouTube yet. It came together, and yeah, it, it definitely wasn't. It, 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 it was hard to find at Lucasfilm. Oh. We had to go through, I can't tell you how many drives to try and find that thing. And the, the whole trailer came about because we were uh, editing. Uh, it was basically the Friday before the week of celebration. It was George and I and Jason Tucker editing. And uh, George was liking what he saw, and he said, well, this will be great. What are we doing next week at Celebration? I said, oh, we're not 
oh. not doing anything. Were we supposed to get some? Yeah, we were told we weren't showing anything. And he's like, what? And so he got on the phone and called somebody. And he's sitting there. He's like, uh-huh. Yeah, no, we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, David will do it. And I'm like, <laughs> what? And then he hung up the phone. He's like, OK, great. Just have a trailer done, you and Jason, uh, and show it to me on Monday. So no we went in Saturday, Jason and I, and I talked about it. And we grabbed the piece of music uh, from Revenge of the Sith. And we just uh, cut it together quickly. Jason did a phenomenal job. And I looked at it Sunday. And then we went to George's house and showed it to him uh, on Monday. And that was it. Bang, bang, bang. And uh, we had a trailer. So uh, it was a, I thought, a special thing that you guys should see. That's awesome. I think it deserves another round of applause. Well, and you know, you mentioned George. Can you tell us why he wanted to do an animated series? I, I think it was just to explore the many different stories that he had in mind over the years. And I think making the films, he had so many ideas. And he knew that he was focused on the Anakin Skywalker story uh, for the films. And he wanted to go down and see what all these other characters were about and introduce new characters and look at Anakin sometimes in a more in-depth way than he had uh, in the films and show the different personalities of him. Nice. So then you had to assemble your dream team. And Athena, you were there in 2007 or 2008? Um, I actually started at Lucasfilm Animation in 2006, but I started on Clone Wars in 2007. Nice. So you were there from the beginning. What was it like you know, getting the team together? It was an amazing experience. Um, I actually had just come off of working in visual effects, and what was interesting was um, one of my personal challenges was I was used to just working on like a few um, shots for a show, but then when I came on board, it's 26 episodes for a season. And I was like, how am I supposed to memorize 26 episodes? Because you're supposed to know every stage of it along the way. That's a lot. Um, but being like, you know, a big Star Wars nerd that I am, when Filoni asked me to come on board and how he asked me to come on board was pretty awesome because um, when I came on board, I was working on a different show and he used to swing by my office and say, I don't know why you're working on a show about fairies. You should come on a show about Star Wars. I mean, your license plate is Jedi 96. It's What's true. going on? It's well, true. You know. Well, because you were working on the thing. I'm going to say this. I don't know if we're supposed to say it, but what <laughs> you were working starts. on in development became Strange Magic years later. And that's fine. Like, that's great. And I have fairies no problem are with cool. that. Like, and I like the fairy world. I think it's fantastic. But your license plate's a Jedi 96. And I'm like, why are you seem so fit for what I'm doing? And so I palpatined you away. And I just was like, you will know what we're trying to do. And, and we needed your help. There was no doubt we needed you. Well, I'm excited today for so many reasons, but I think you have pulled out some, some drawings, some art, things we have rarely seen or never seen before. Hopefully. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I've tried to share with you guys over the years since we finished Clone Wars, uh, you know, as, as much as I can because I know how much you guys love it. So I went through my office and dug through and tried to find some things. Honestly, it was difficult to find. Some of it was buried. Tracy and I and Claudia, we couldn't find this one binder that had like everything in it that we never did. And I was like, where is that binder? And we was like, it was sad, but we found it. So oh, good. we're good. And now we scanned it, so we'll get lost digitally. I actually, I was just asking Dave about it. And I said, where is that? That's like in the archives, right? No. He's like, no, it's buried somewhere. It was in my <laughs> office. It was under some Godzilla boxes or something. I mean, you'd think that would be somewhere, Morton. Well, Maybe no for the future. what makes it special is I just think of it as not special. <laughs> I don't know. I get it. I get it. So tell us about this, uh, this original crew. Yeah, that was something that when I was working early on with Henry Gilroy, we were trying to figure out what the character makeup of the show was going to be and how we could produce a TV series based in the time period of Clone Wars because the Clone Wars is so vast would require literally thousands of clones battling thousands of battle droids. And so we were shooting around more of, uh, you know, an original trilogy idea of a crew, two Jedi that worked with these smugglers in the black market. And we were coming up with the character makeup. F frankly, that character makeup is very similar to what we ended up with in Rebels. 
um, you know, that yeah, dynamic. That so it just goes to show you that those ideas don't really die. But when we took this idea into George, he looked at it and he's like, mm-hmm. So Anakin Skywalker is going to be doing this and Obi-Wan Kenobi is going to be doing this. And we just never presumed that we would be working with those characters, you know, because my well, attitude like, is who am I to write Anakin Skywalker? That's a hugely important character. But George was like, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to teach you all about this. And he did. So we wound up with the show we did under his direction. That's awesome. And then we have, of course, the crew we all know and love. Yeah, Aww. today, yeah, that's, that's a story meeting. That's uh, me and George. We would uh, sit in that room for two weeks straight and me, George, and the writers, and we would basically hash out all the stories, all 26 episodes for a whole season in two weeks. I think we had to do about three episodes a day. That's a, seems aggressive. We would we had that whiteboard and would write everything on the whiteboard, and then sometimes George would leave to go do something else, and the writers and I would be writing on the whiteboard, and then George would come in and read it, and he'd take his finger and erase, <laughs> and, you know, and it was, it was just really fun. It was intense days, and we all stayed at the ranch during that, so in the evening it would spill over, and there would be some things that we didn't want to do, and we thought, how do we convince them not to do those things? And we'd come up with strategies, and you know, it was really fun. And I think it was fun for him to basically be teaching us Star Wars every day. So, and there's a team. This is like going through a photo, like memory mm -hmm. book. It is. It's great. There you are, see, all, all in black, surprising. There you Except are. Except for today. Except for today, you're in bright red, not orange. But I said she looks like an extra on Star Trek. Which is, you know, fine. It's a fine, it's so, a fine world. It's a fine world. So, okay, so I'm not judging these I things. I totally thought when I bought this shirt a couple of weeks ago that it was orange. Orange. And that it was Ahsoka mm. looking. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to wear this. Ashley's going to like it. This morning I put it on and I'm like, okay, this is my Ahsoka outfit. And they're like, I walk in and everyone's like, all right, Star Trek, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And by the way, you it's not great. orange, it's red. Well, it's Ahsoka approved. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, yes, very good. And very good. We have a photo of the team, yes. So these are some of our artists and production team at, at CGCG, and I wanted to include them. They're the animation company in Taipei that has been responsible for the vast majority of Clone Wars that you guys have seen. If it wasn't for CGCG, Clone Wars would never have happened. It was so difficult in the beginning. And they are a fantastic animation studio that really held us together, uh, you know, and worked with us all the way through the end. And we used to go to Taipei all the time, and they're just wonderful people. And if we're doing an anniversary, we have to bring them up here. They deserve a ton of credit for Absolutely. what we do. You two down there, all three of you, just ask me anything you see. Some of this stuff you know, some of it you don't. Like, this is the Onderon arc. Well, this... some of this, so uh, speaking of your sketches, mm -hmm. my probably the favorite part of my collection is, because like Dave said, you, you don't really value your sketch, no. sketches. He sketches all the time. So after our sessions, he'd have like a stack of sketches, and I would like scrounge and, and collect his sketches. And I have a folder. I've kept it all these years of your sketches. Really? Yeah, it's probably my like most Lucas prized. Lucasfilm property. Now, yeah, now you have to give it back. <laughs> you shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> it's my most prized possession. Do you, you all have these sketches? Is this? <laughs> I feel like other people Actually, might be feeling left I out. Just, a weird stalker? I just did? You just did some on some napkins um, in our conference room the other day, and Kiri has them, I believe. Oh, Is that right? Do you have the napkins? Okay. You weird. Know, I, for myself, you, you know, I'm so impressed with Dave's ability just to sketch things out. I mean, it's amazing what he can do so quickly. And we're in meetings, and he's telling me he's humming little musical ideas to me, and I'm actually writing notes down, you know, music notes down he's like wow that's so amazing and i'm like no you're amazing you know it's like and i'm like no man you're amazing and it just gets gross you know you're like what is yeah, this we just, we so just weird kiss and, and then you said no and yeah. you hang up but these are from the younglings arc oh and oh. so all these drawings that you're seeing are done on the day when i'm talking to george with the writers present and as we're formulating the story where this temple on ilum is who's going to be there you know, we're like, well, let's have a Wookiee, and let's have a, you know, a Nautilin, and let's have a Rodian. And so I just start drawing them, because I want to be sure that we're capturing the essence of everything we're talking about on the day. And as you can tell, like, that lineup 
with Ahsoka, on, you know, was drawn on the day, and that's very true to who the characters ended up being in the episodes, because you have to have consistency uh, of idea and thought. That way you're not wasting time, you're not, I'm not wasting money, Athena's budgeting everything correctly, uh, and the writers get these drawings, and then I talk with Halepsa, give them to the episodic directors, so they have something to follow. If you see in the middle, I had pitched to George a little baby plo, uh, and he said no. <laughs> so I have, there's a little drawing of George there next to baby plo saying no. But I was like, but you know, everyone's a kid at some point, but yeah. Well, and I want to ask, this is actually a great jumping off point to ask either you, Matt, and Alex, about working with Nika Futterman on Ventress, because that character got, had such an interesting arc over, over all the, you know, five, six seasons. Um, what was it like recording with her? Nika's fantastic. Um, she just embodies, well, first of all, she's so kind and sweet. Um, but she, and she always just naturally kind of talks in different funny voices. A lot of people in voiceover do that. Everybody, we're all kind of weird. So, but she's just the sweetest, and then she turns on this, this evil, venturous thing, and it's, it's just, uh, it's pretty incredible to watch. I mean, much like a lot of the other, uh, you know, guys that uh, do this show, and, and James and Dee and uh, Corey Burton, and just a lot of these people that are just so talented uh, for, for myself, it's uh, quite a treat to watch them in the booth. That's awesome. And the Night Sisters arc, I, getting to explore that world was so cool. And then, of course, Ventress went on to I think of her as like mama bounty hunter, like who doesn't have time for everyone else. Yeah, she's, she's very independent even as a bounty hunter and that's Boba's team there. And some of those ideas were crossing with things that were being developed in other pro projects like the big robot high singer there uh, who was unique. And it had a very Western vibe to it. So I was trying to capture some of that. But uh, yeah, I think Matt brings up a great point. You know, it's, it's hard to do a panel like this because I can't have a you know, panel 20 some people on it, but there's so many people that contributed on, on Clone Wars in so many ways, so many fantastic actors, so many production staff, artists, um, you know, they all deserve to be up here talking about some aspect of what they did. I used to say on the production, there were no unimportant jobs in, on Clone Wars. There was no person that wasn't really vital to what we were doing. And so, you know, Joel, Aaron, Killian Plunkett, Keith Kellogg, Paul Zinnis have been with me from the very beginning. They all made it all the way through uh, Rebels with me. And, you know, they're all innovators. They're all incredibly creative. Uh, all the actors you mentioned and many more. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a big responsibility, I have to say, to be here trying to represent that group. But I think we have a pretty good group here to do it. So thank you for coming, guys. I appreciate it. And all of you as well. <laughs> Now, is this from the sunny day in the void? Yeah, these weird ones. Yeah. These are the ones that, like, I know the fans tune in. They're like, oh, it's Droid Arc. <laughs> they're like... Droids are great, though. Some people love them. I know. It's for certain people, acquired taste. And then it's a, but you know then the next four weeks are droids. And then droids doing weird stuff, getting lost in voids with peacock creatures, finding them in the middle of nowhere. It was very Mobius, so I was trying to draw a Mobius kind of influence there, and again, the only thing we were gonna have, because none of these characters talk except Mieber Gascon, we had to, the, the, the visuals had to really sell it all. And so I drew these compositions as a way to explain to the directors how to shoot it and how I wanted it shot, and Kyle Dunlevy, who did this episode, did a fantastic job uh, with that. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, I always used to think it was funny the people would, uh, the crew would be telling me, Dave, they're, they're talking online, they know it's a, a droid arc, or they know the Jar Jar's in this one, oh no. And they, you know. That's why you the, just have to ignore the internet. I, do, I largely do. I mean, it's because they're already being done. There's nothing I can do at that point. It's like, well, buckle up, people. You know? Well, I want to ask Kevin a quick question about that, because if I remember correctly, the music for those, for spe specifically for that arc, was just, you know, a little different, very catered to the droids. Um, did you kind of, I feel like you got a lot of chance to explore different Star Wars music than we're used to. Um, but specifically to this episode, do you remember building those themes? Yeah, I, I mean, there are a lot of times uh, during the show when, when there's something brand new that, you know, John didn't explore in the movies, you know, and this is, you know, so, and, and Dave's really conversant about 
about music, you know, and so we'll talk about, about certain things that, um, because he, he knows classical music really well, and he say, hey, you know, maybe we go in a different direction, and, you know, and, and something like, like that. So, and it's a time when I get to really stretch, too, and it's, it, and, and um, I still have to keep it in the Star Wars um, musical universe, but, uh, you know, because John Williams is, is so steeped in classicism, and, you know, we all borrow from each other, and he borrowed from Korngold and, uh, and, and all kinds of great composers, <coughs> and things like that. So what I do is go out and I borrow from somebody else, you know, some Rachmaninoff, whoever it is, you know. Uh, so it's like that, yeah. Awesome. Now we're getting into, uh, I'm like, yes, this is Clovis. Yeah, it's the, the, the Rush Clovis. I used to talk with Matt and Kat Tabor about Anakin and Padme and, and their relationship and how could we do more to make that, I don't wanna, believable is not the right word, but I'm like, it needs to have conflict in it. Any relationship over time would naturally have that. So we like the idea of putting pressure on them and maybe they like weren't this completely utopic couple during the Clone Wars that they were stretched apart, that they, you know, had combat to stay together, that they fought for what they believed in in each other. And we tried to express that in this Clovis arc. You know, I, I love that, that was hot. Uh, <laughs> I love that um, the Clone Wars, you know, what it did was it just created, you know, all these stories in between some of the, the saga movies. And um, this is one of the moments that I think is really important because we see, you know, of course, the, the major conflict in the end that happens between Anakin and Padme. but. This is kind of one of those moments where we, we kind of get that that glimpse of, ooh, he he's gonna go there. He could go there, and uh, you know, it kind of fills in that like zero to one hundred kind of a thing uh, for me personally. I also love. We were talking about backstage that Anakin doesn't even use the Force against Clovis, and he just he's just so upset. He just <laughs> uses bare fists. He's like, I don't even have time right? to mess with the Force with you. <laughs> like, you're just gonna you're gonna get it. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that was a, that was a fun one to do. I have to say, one of the fun things about Matt, and I love working with Matt, is that, you know, originally, you know, Matt came in and he looped the first several episodes we did. We had a different actor's Anakin, then we changed out and we brought you in. And so I had to do actual auditioning for Anakin, and you came in, and I had you come in with Ashley and Kat. And I told Matt, that, you know, I said, I was really paying attention to what happened when he walked in the room. And I don't know why this was important, but I felt very strongly that with Anakin Skywalker, Whoever played them, even though they were just doing the voice, they had to embody what I always thought Anakin was when I was growing up. This guy that everybody liked. You have to have a likability as Anakin to understand that when he falls apart and he thinks he's doing the right things, it's, it's just that much more devastating because he's trying to hold on to everything so tightly and do good. And he does, unfortunately, evil because of holding on things so tightly. And in Matt, when he walked in, he just is that likable person. And I, I mean, thought sometimes he is. It's true. Ask my wife, she gets frustrated with me. But, but, but Matt can be frustrating. So that you had both elements, no. But you know, you, you kind of epitomized, I was telling you, I said it's weird, I never thought of it, but like where you came from traveling to Los Angeles to become an actor, the things that can be a struggle as a young actor trying to find work, all the challenges that you're up against, the decisions you have to make every day. What kind of job am I gonna take? How does that represent me as a person? I want to have this job to make money, but I also need to make sure I'm doing things that I think are good and that I believe in as a character. And the point of Anakin Skywalker's story is that we are all making those choices every day as Anakin Skywalker does. We start out our day, we don't intend to turn to the dark side, but so quickly we make choices that, you know, tunnel us down into a darkness. And now I've had a bad day. Now, or you could have a good day. And when do you feel bad? When you make choices and you're angry, maybe you have road rage, and then I'm sure when you feel rage or anger, you immediately then feel bad about it. When you feel good, when you do something selfless, when you give somebody something, something, uh, you know, that's meaningful to them, don't you feel better? That's kind of the whole point of Star Wars. You'd be selfless or selfish. I keep saying it at everything uh, that, that I speak on Star Wars because it's what George spoke about the most. Selfish, selfless, 
this will lift you up, this will tear you down. It's, it's really that simple. And that's the force in a nutshell. But speaking of selfish. I was gonna say, good segue, I was the same page. There's Sam, so there you are. <laughs> Darth Maul. That was uh, pretty incredible to see him come back, and then he's obviously gone quite on the journey, recently appearing in, spoilers, uh, Solo, A Star Wars Story. So, it's pretty awesome. And Athena, I'm curious from your side of things, like when we bring in new characters like this and new things that require like just more product, you know, like mm -hmm. not new assets, I don't want to simplify it that way. It's always new assets. <laughs> <laughs> But on that side of things, like, what is it like to manage when you, when you bring something this big in and everything that comes with it? So you saw the photos of the writers' conferences that Filoni was talking about. So after a writers' conference, what happens in production land is we then re receive the scripts. We go through the scripts and we break down everything from vehicles, characters, props, and sets. And we have set parameters. So within that time frame, we get together with Filoni and the supervisors to make sure we stay within parameters. But then, of course, there will be moments like if we do have Darth Maul um, or any kind of cloth that we then look into whether we could go. <laughs> Sorry, I heard Caroline laughing. Um, um, if, if you get to a point where we have to go over parameters and we, I never believe in saying no. No one in production believes in saying no. We believe in making sure that we never ruin the integrity of what it is that the creative is trying to produce and put on air. Um, so we always work together to get to that point. Yeah, but they say no. We say, we say, we say maybe. <laughs> they say no. Because what, what you're not saying is when we're in that writer's meeting, yeah. you're down the far end of the table sometimes, and we'll be doing these big ideas, and I'm thinking like, oh, that sounds like a lot. And I look down the table, and you're sitting at the end of the table going like. <laughs> <laughs> like you just shaking your head and I'm like mm, we always find okay. a way <laughs> like a pitcher getting a signal I'm like oh I see okay so so maybe we're not maybe we're not on that planet that sounds complex maybe we shouldn't do that planet but that's the give and take of it because the little things don't matter as much and then you and I can figure out how to make things work I always know when Athena comes to me and she's say Filoni I don't know I'm like uh oh it's not gonna work like we're over budget it's too complex and I'm not saying that creatively you don't wanna push for those things, but you have to be careful what you're sacrificing in the process of getting certain things that you want. And I always try to make the entire picture good, not just a couple, one or two highlighted things that aren't gonna matter. Mm -hmm. But what's great is Athena will always have it calculated, like she's a genius with it. And I'll say, well, I wanna do these things, and she'll say, okay, and then she'll come back with a number and say, you can do this, but it's gonna mean this. That's what I need to know creatively. That's why she's a great producer, and that's why we can't, we never would have got Clone Wars off the ground without her, because it's such a complex show. Thank you. Everything. Yeah, something that's really special, and one of the many things about Clone Wars is I think how we got to explore, not just Emperor Palpatine, but the Chancellor, the kindly grandpa, like grandfather-like figure. Um, yes. And I would love you to speak to Yeah, you. Ian Abercrombie was our Palpatine for most of the show, and unfortunately passed away during the show, which was a big blow. Uh, personally for me as a director, I learned a lot talking with an actor who's been in so many things as Ian. It really helped me understand how to communicate uh, better with actors. He put so much thought into it. Every time he would get a script, I would get in, and he would be in there in the corner of the booth, and. Uh, he would have his script out, and I'd go over and talk to him, and he had things under lines, and he had notes in the margin. He's like, am I being the evil growly emperor here? I'm like, not so much. And he would, but he would have thought it all through, and when he wanted to show shades of being Sidious, and when he would pull back, and I think the striking thing is just what a kind person he was in person. You would meet him, and this wonderful gentleman, you're like, how in the world is this guy gonna be this evil, snarling guy and then you're like oh but you are that guy also <laughs> and matt can say that i mean you had that palpatine relationship anakin with him it seems i mean it was yeah. crazy i was i was telling dave that so if i had like one word to kind of describe what i remember of working with him was just warmth and i said well but maybe maybe he was warm to me because he had to kind of do that wooing thing with anakin so i, I don't know maybe <laughs> he was, he was coercing you yeah. yeah he was coercing me to for his side but he was fantastic, just yeah. a wonderful, wonderful pal. We were lucky yeah. to have him, for yeah. sure. I, I miss him. 
Yeah. It was wonderful. I think they come to the booth, you know. Well, we, Matt and I were so lucky because we had both come from the live action and on camera world and we're fairly new to voiceover. I mean, it was my first big job and I walked into the studio and it's Ian Abercrombie, Dee Bradley Baker, Tom Kane, James Arnold Taylor. And I very much felt like the Padawan. It was life imitates art, very much so. And so to learn from guys like this uh, and Corey Burton, oh my gosh, Corey Burton, it's like, I'll never forget it. And they have so many stories too. He tells stories. It's like story time at the end because he went his history in cinema goes so far back. But uh, yeah, it was a big loss for us. But uh, you know, we, we had to tell the stories and move on. And Tim Curry came on and and played uh, Palpatine for us later, and he also did a wonderful job. Yeah, let's give a round of applause for Ian Abercrombie. <laughs> Oh, these are my favorites of Ahsoka just taking names, um, <laughs> basically. And, you know, we're leading into the end of season five with that, that latter image. And Ashley, I know you guys, you always recorded together. As you approach those, those episodes, that arc with Matt, what was it like? I just I picture, you know, you two reading those lines together, and it makes my heart hurt. Did, did we know when we recorded this that we were going out? Did we know? No. We didn't? No, we didn't. No. No, we didn't know that. <laughs> I, well, for... for <laughs> You're so much excitement. <laughs> no, Matt, we didn't. No. For, for me, though, uh, you I tried know, to not use the word canceled. <laughs> like, yeah, I saw that. Like, and I was like, like oh, that's not a popular word in this room, Matt. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think for me, though, because, you know, Dave very much worked on a need-to-know basis but he did let me know that Ahsoka was walking away um, and that I wouldn't be back for a while. I knew that I would be back, but I knew it wouldn't be a while. And so for me, it was goodbye. Like I recorded these episodes and literally I felt like my heart was beating outside of you know, my, my chest because I was essentially saying goodbye to these guys for a while and I didn't know when I'd be coming back. See, he gives me this look like X9, you're getting sentimental, stop it. Um, <laughs> I've been so nice today. So far, it's unreal. I don't know what's, <laughs> I don't know what's come over me. I'm saying all this nice a stuff about all you guys. Yeah, yeah. I know, I've made it. Is it 30 minutes so far? I'm surprised I made it. It's unreal. Usually, it's usually jokes. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. About like what sports teams I like. And, like I know. Never well, you're a Browns like fan. What am I going to do about that? But, oh, that's pretty complex. You know, I mean, but it's an anniversary, so I'm, I'm being, you know, it's like yeah. a big anniversary, so being nice, you know. Well, let's well, keep up the trend of being nice. <laughs> nice is good. And it, look ahead. Oh, go ahead. Can, can I actually brag about him for a second? Put uh, him on the spot, because he doesn't like when we say nice things about him. But um, I have him trapped. Yes. So... Uh, <laughs> Dave is honestly the best director I've ever... <laughs> he is the best director I've ever worked with um, because he gets to know each one of us individually. And so he doesn't have one directing style, he directs for the actor. So he knows exactly what to say to get us in the right emotion, to get in our head, to say the right things. So, it, you know, many directors, they just have one style and it's just the same and it either works for you or it doesn't. Um, but that's not Dave. He, every, every actor is different and he has a different approach for every single actor and that's hard. That's really, really hard. And he, literally the best director I've ever worked with. He's amazing. <laughs> Okay, okay, thank you. So, Very good. So since Very we're good. going down that road. Oh, God. <laughs> Can't stop oh it. we got to go, God. Dave. Sorry. Um, this is it. not what we're doing. I, I've, been doing I, I've been doing this for 35 years, um, way, way over 5,000 episodes of television and 30-some features and stuff like that. And... Dave is also the best director I've ever worked with. And we, we have the best connection 
of anyone I've ever worked with uh, professionally and uh, it's just it, it's it's very dis difficult to describe but he, he trusts me and that doesn't happen all the time you, you know in this business uh, and he also knows exactly what he's doing and how to communicate things to me and that doesn't always happen all the time in this business and you know it's, it's really fantastic okay well okay. thank well. you that i appreciate that i really i really do i mean but it's it's easy to be a good director when you have great people and i've been surrounded by great people it, it, to me it's a simple formula i mean i don't have to do many things or struggle because I know what you guys are capable of uh, and that makes my life infinitely easier in all capacities. It's my responsibility to know the story, to know the characters, to communicate to you. As an actor, you have to become that person. You have to embody the role and I respect that and I see it as this shared collaboration to bring them to screen. As a composer, Kevin had an impossible task of emulating John Williams, right? and not just emulating, but becoming its own thing. And I think you did that brilliantly. It evolved over time. I think that, you know, we developed that language together. With the music and with the acting, it was never a, a matter of trying to imitate what had been done before. It was to take the performance of Anakin, take the performance of Obi-Wan, take the music, and now let's see what made that great, and now let's move forward with it and make it our own thing. And all of those things that I've learned uh, to be a director come from George. So I will not take credit for all this without crediting him yeah. because he taught me. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. But thank you. Okay. Well, not to stop all the warm, fuzzy feelings because I love them, yes. but we have Good. so many more slides. Good. We have thank so many you. more slides to show off. Do we? Okay. Uh, we do. Uh, this is from The Lost Missions, right, mm -hmm. with Saifo Diaz. You're right, we haven't even got to the good stuff yet. I know, that's I know. why I'm like, Very good. all kinds of awesome stuff. Yeah, this is a deep dive into the force that George went to explore with Yoda and Yoda confronting his own dark side, just to kind of show that everybody does, everybody has challenges, even Yoda. And I think a lot of people like to picture him as just one thing, they see like the Yoda empire, yeah, and they say, well, Yoda said, the, you gotta use the force for knowledge and defense, never attack. Wars don't make one great. I'm like, yeah, but maybe he learned that during the Clone Wars. And that's what George and I were trying to say, is that these characters all evolved. So Yoda even was a different little green frog in the Clone Wars than he was <laughs> a little green frog when Luke met him on Dagobah. Oh. <laughs> well, well, we needed some comic relief. This is perfect. Every now and then, when doodling, you know. <laughs> we were do So the Yaddle thing is just, a, we were doing the the Senate murders episode, and I was, we were trying to figure out who killed the, the senator, and I told George, I said, well, I can't wait to find out who did this. He goes, yeah, neither can I. I'm like, what do you mean, you don't know? He's like, no, I'm making this up as I go. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and I used to bug him about Yaddle, because I'm like, what's Yaddle about? And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. And <laughs> so I was like, maybe Yaddle did it, and I drew this funny cartoon. And then I just thought that was, the mall one is just funny because it's kind of like when the wheels fell off and we didn't get to <laughs> make Clone Wars anymore and it's like crap. And there it is. So poor Sam, look at him. He's fine. It's good. Cad <laughs> <laughs> well, Bane, coolest bounty hunter ever. Sticking with it. Any thoughts down there? You guys probably haven't seen this stuff because we never got oh. to do it. Yeah, a lot of this stuff. This was happened. from an arc that did not happen. Did not happen. Nope, I know. But, you know, still cool to see. Yeah. Yes. I still drew it. It was a Cat Bane Boba. These are some starships that, that we were playing around with. The one on, uh, there, the kind of purple checkerboard engine, was going to be Ventress's ship. And that was based off an old Doug Chang design uh, for, I think, a Naboo ship of, or a gunship. And then that pseudo Millennium Falcon thing was something George and I were were playing with, but it actually ended up being the Crucible in the or the New Horizon in a, in the I think a Crucible we called it in the Youngling Arc, that ship you took the kids on to get the oh, Jedi yeah. crystals. Yeah, it used to look like that. 
This is gonna be oh. a big arc. All oh, the bad this goes guys. into Dark Disciple. Dark yes. Disciple stuff, very good. Yeah, Dark Disciple. So Maddie was gonna have a big, you know, big battles in there and Quinlan Voss was in there and it was gonna be, all these drawings would have been how things got, got visualized in the end. I did a lot of shots like this because it was a complex arc. It also, see again, like Athena sees those images of all the droids and like you can tell she's getting stressed out now. We're not making it. Don't worry, it's not happening. But, you know, like all the little crystal shards that Dooku's, you know, pushing to the side there, that would have been a real trick. I don't know how to do it. But I draw this stuff and so she can look at it and the entire production team, Joel and Keith, and like, how are we gonna animate it? How's that effect gonna work? Um, that's the most valuable thing about these. And I'll stick to them stubbornly through the whole process. <laughs> My favorite part is if we're in a meeting and he's like, okay, so how many TIE fighters can I have in this shot? I'm like, I think about most five. And he's like, okay, great, so 15, let's move on. <laughs> I know, what is that? <laughs> that happens, like, in the Rebels one. Oh, that, that was, was Rebels. Rebels, you're on Rebels yeah. now. That's beyond, I'm like, there aren't TIE fighters in Clone Wars, Athena, but you yeah. know that, you Trekker. <laughs> like <laughs> it's fine star trek's fine i love the bird of prey it's a fantastic ship anyway some clones look oh yeah clones look do you guys know these guys the the, the bad batch yes yeah. the bad batch there we put that online on uh so you could watch the story reels like some people watch that relentlessly a friend of mine tells me his kids is his favorite i'm like it's not even animated why is it their favorite they just like the characters i'm like why do we bother with all the lighting and rendering if the kids are just gonna watch it like that i mean make my life easier but it, i think the characters and d plays all of them of course and it, it's crazy how he does that you forget it's one guy doing it all you always forget it's one guy those are from two different that one on the with the red guards is actually from the order 66 arc where Tup went crazy in this, so that's five and Red Guards, those were images from that. And then at one point on the right, George discussed the, the clones captured Dooku, which was really interesting. We were gonna do a story about that. This is a transition on this droid tank. You see, they got a Wookiee pelt up there, blowing in the breeze. Oh, I know, it's sad, I know. But they're the bad guys, what are they, what are they gonna do? You know, have streamers up there? It's not like a... <laughs> It's not a fun mobile, it's a death machine. I don't know what to tell you. Wait, that's Wookiee skin? It's a Wookiee skin. But look, happy Wookiee skin. Go back so she can see it. Look. Aww. But look at the quality of the pelt. I mean, just think oh of the, like, don't judge it. You know, come on, let's. They're let's having a great at, time. Let's you know? look, look at, at the happy guys. Wookiee pictures that are. There we go. That's a happy, there's a happy little tree. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. And that's Tarful, right? Tarful, yeah. George had this thing on, on Kashyyyk where when the Wookiees were gonna have this big battle in the forest, uh, he had Tarful go and talk to, basically meditate, talk to the trees. And they were gonna grant permission for them to have this big battle in these trees. And the clones were like, what? You're gonna what? You're gonna talk to the trees? And they just didn't get it. And it was showing you like different types of warriors and how they fight, and Yoda was there. So this arc, showed you that we were getting closer to Revenge of the Sith because we were starting to tie together the idea that the Wookiees were under siege uh, during the Clone War and it was gonna be, it was gonna be cool. It's gonna be great. Well, I'm glad we got to see these images. And this yeah. is a peek, I believe, at what it would in Siege of Mandalore. Uh-oh. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> that. Some of those, the temple ruins on the left are actually beneath the Jedi Temple. If you went down below it, uh, we had all these ideas about what was hidden down there. And then uh, the other images are all from Siege of Mandalore, which was a very big arc uh, for us, which involved Ahsoka uh, teaming up with Bogotan and going to Mandalore. So these were from the story meeting about that, um, what we were writing, and I was trying to visualize how we're gonna do this big battle. Uh, what would it be like to throw the two characters together? We would talk about some of this stuff, but it was so early days, you know. Uh, how was them all different? Remember, that was going to be real expensive. Remember <laughs> all the shattering of the city buildings? Remember that? And you're like, okay, Filoni. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to be great. And you're like, okay, Filoni. When she says that too many times, I think she's working on her resume in her head. I'm like, no. did several seasons of Clone Wars. and you know. He has said that in the writer's conference. He'll be like, hey, Portillo over there, are you working on your resume? Is that yeah. what you're doing? Wow. She looks so stressed out. But you love the challenge. I know I it. <laughs> But these just show you yeah, all the possibilities. But you can tell they're a little looser because we were really trying to find 
the story more. When, when the drawings are, tend to be a lot looser than, say, like the Quinlan Boss Dark Disciple drawings, uh, it, it means that there's a lot probably that will change more, so the drawings become more abstract, and it's showing Athena and team that there's gonna be battles, multiple characters, a lot of clones, certain sets, but it's not as grounded as sometimes, you know, some stories are more figured out at inception than others, and so this one was a little more loose. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool to see that. And, you know, we talked about, um, we've talked about Ahsoka a bit, and Kevin, I think, of the many wonderful pieces and, and scores you did for the show, Ahsoka's theme, um, it's obviously very special. And I wanna ask you specifically about, you know, when she walks away from the Jedi Order in the season five finale, it's a, that music breaks my heart every time in the best way. Um, but can you talk about writing that piece? Well, uh, yeah, I, I compose, I, I don't live up in the Bay Area, I live down LA area, so uh, Dave and I don't see each other that much, but we do a lot of phone calls and Skyping and, and stuff like that. So I'd written it, and, and it was for an episode that we recorded in Prague, um, because it was a very important episode and a very important moment. And I, I can't tell you how many people say exactly to me what you just said about how emotional. I mean, and, and it's the, the music, I always say the music is good because the material I'm supporting is good, you know, and, and so I had I had time to do this. So we went to Prague, and you know, and, and we recorded the we recorded the music. David David was not able to go to Prague with us because um, he's lazy and doesn't want to get on a plane. <laughs> but no, he had other so things busy. going on. But so I go back to my hotel and. Uh, I, I just, I left all the scores and uh, everything at the recording studio, and I get a call from Dave, and he had, because we'd, we'd been feeding him all the stuff, and he, he goes, you know, there's, there's a certain part where I think that the force theme should continue a little bit, because I only had it for just a little bit. So he wanted eight more bars of it. Well, I didn't have any music paper. I didn't have, a, I didn't have my scores. I, I didn't have anything, you know, except my hotel room, and, and uh, Funny enough, a, a, a book that Mozart had written to his father of letters complaining about people making changes to his music, actually. This is absolutely true. It was in my hotel room for some reason. <laughs> but so I found some paper, and I had to draw out, you know, five lines. I had to draw out everything, and, and I wrote those, you know, those eight extra bars for the change, and then I had to take a picture of of the score that I'd just written out and sent it to the the Czech guy who does the copying and 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 sends it you know gives it for the trumpets and the French horns and the cellos and the violins and everything like that and we went back and re-recorded it but I mean I had to do everything by in my head it was all by ear everything I did um, and. It, Turned out okay, I think. That's amazing. Yeah. Incredible. And I think yeah. we have that to share. We have that oh, clip because it's yes. such a fun, uplifting clip. I thought we should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Oh, it's, it's so exciting. It's the artistry of it all. I want to take you back to this moment. Oh, no.
doing this? The council didn't trust me. So how can I trust myself? What about me? I believed in you. I stood by you. I know you believe in me, Anakin. And I'm grateful for that. But this isn't about you. I can't stay here any longer. Not now. The Jedi Order is your life. You can't just throw it away like this. Ahsoka, you are making a mistake. Maybe. But I have to sort this out on my own. Without the Council, and without you. I understand. More than you realize, I understand wanting to walk away from the Order. I know. Yes. I just want a quick show of hands. Who remembers exactly where they are when they watch that episode? <laughs> and it still gets us like this. Yeah, and it's I a testament it. to the strength of this show and the fandom uh, that, that we still react Absolutely. this way. It is such a gift. And I think Thank the you. fan, like, Star Wars fandom is special. I think Clone Wars fandom is especially just something different and wonderful in that picture. Wow. There we so, are. There we are. Look at us. Back in 2010. Eight years ago. Oh, God. You believe it. Eight no. years ago. Well, and it's important. I mean, there's so many of you that I've met over the years, and I, and I really appreciate it. Uh, I really appreciate the dedication you guys have uh, for the series. We all do. It, uh, it keeps it special for us. I think uh, for all of us, you know, Clone Wars represents not just the, the show we made in the work, but the people that were connected to it, uh, the people that we've affected. Your guys are relentless uh, in your dedication to the show. I think there has not been a day, let alone an hour, that's gone by uh, that someone hasn't hashtag save the Clone Wars at me uh, for <laughs> years. Save the Clone Wars, save the Clone Wars, that's great. Love Rebels, save the Clone Wars. You know, <laughs> I've, I've seen it all, and I acknowledge that the Clone Wars fans are a, a very special group. Um, you know, you guys are, are dedicated to it, passionate, uh, and, it, and it means a lot. It means a lot. Yeah, and I think, Matt, you were just telling me you still have people, because of, you know, it's streaming on Netflix, who discover it. Yeah. So it's still bringing in new fans. Oh, I mean, I've got a lot of people on, on social media, but also just out in, in daily life. I mean, I've still got people coming up to me that have you know, five, six, seven-year-old kids saying like, oh, we started the Clone Wars, or, you know, my son or my daughter loves the Clone Wars, and it, I mean, it lives on. I think, I think it's, this is awesome. I don't know if you guys up front can see, but this room is huge, and it's, and it's filled to the back. And I mean, that's such a testament to this, us and our whole, this whole family. Actually, you've had a, such a kind of a unique relationship given Ahsoka's arc and how she was received at first to where she is now. Um, we're not going to go into the history, but I just uh, want to hear your thoughts on your relationship with, with fandom. Well, so Dave told me before Ahsoka was announced and before uh, we could even talk about the fact that we were a part of the show, he had told me that this was going to change my life, that being a part of Star Wars would change my life. And I didn't quite understand him. I don't think I fully believed him. Um, but literally, once it came out, um, it was good and bad. <laughs> because it was good, literally within a week, I had fan mail from around the world. I kid you not. I had, I think, um, fan mail from Australia and Germany. And I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I haven't even done anything. But it was Star Wars fans welcoming me to the universe. Um, and then the, the bad is that people hated Ahsoka at first. <laughs> um, not everyone, not everyone. Um, 
But, you know, Dave was obviously such a, obviously a guiding force throughout the whole thing, and we were always a season ahead, so I knew where Ahsoka was going, and, you know, she had grown up so much just in season one, so I just asked fans for patience. I said, you know, if she's perfect from day one, she doesn't have anywhere to go, so just kind of go on this journey with her and go on this ride with her, um, and, and I'm so thankful you guys did, because I think she turned out okay, right? <laughs> Special thank you, Dave. You have something to share with the fans, yes? Yes, I do. I do. I do. Because I think that, like, it's an anniversary. It's been 10 years, and you, you guys deserve something uh, for being so great, uh, present, if you will. And I think we got together. <laughs> and we thought if there's one thing we could give you, what would it be? So here you go. Very good. So we're back. <laughs> if, you, if you want, we can watch it again. <laughs> Let's watch it one more time. Or maybe not. There we go. 
Obviously, we wanted to do this. I think it's going to be great. Uh, it'll be coming to you in the future on Disney Direct to Consumer. So thanks to them for that. And uh, the early stuff we've been getting in on the show just looks phenomenal. I, I wasn't sure if we could ever do it again. But I think the goodwill that you guys have had to believe in the show is shared on the crew, and they are so intense about making this thing incredible for you. So, may the force be with you guys. Thank you. And a, a quick note, quick note, that poster that you saw on the screen, you should all have a ticket. Take that to the premium giveaway room to get the poster. Thank you, everyone. Hey guys, thanks for watching. If you're new to the podcast, check out our in-depth interviews with Clone Wars voice actors Sam Witwer and Stephen Stanton on the Steel Wars podcast. And thanks so much to Dominic Jones from the Star Wars Underworld for the slide photos. Hit subscribe for more Star Wars videos coming from San Diego Comic Con this week. And may that force be with you. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. If you're after more Star Wars listening, please check out the Making Star Wars Podcast Network at makingstarwars.net where you can find such great podcasts as Blue Harvest, First Order Transmissions, Idiots Array, Making Star Wars Now This Is Podcasting, Podcast 2187, Rebel Girl, Rogue One, Tarkin's Top Shelf, The Cargo Hold, and The Sith List. So that's planetbroadcasting.com and makingstarwars.net. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 